Thank you so much, Voices Boston, for helping us celebrate and prepare for the coming of our Lord. We thank God for each and every one of you and for being back with us this year. If anybody here was not in the Christmas spirit before you came into worship this morning, I know that you will leave here transformed because of these beautiful voices. Thank you so much. And to all of you, Merry Christmas. I see some dear friends here this morning that I just want to acknowledge. Many of you know that uh, friendship, there's nothing better. Emerson said that uh, we don't earn friends, God gives us, give them to us. And I believe that. And many women here, you understand the importance and beauty of having good girlfriends. And I've got two of the best girlfriends that you can ever imagine. I see them here this morning in the person of Bates College President Clayton Spencer and our soon-to-be Emeritus University Marshal Jackie O'Neill. They are two wonderful girlfriends of mine. And you, some of you may find it a little surprising that I am a wonderful girlfriend to them. That started some years ago when just out the blue, I don't know why, I have no reason or rationale, but President Clayton Spencer just started referring to me as her girlfriend. <laughs> and so she would see me and she would say, you know, hey girlfriend, or, or send me a text message, girlfriend, I got to this, that, and the other. And so I just would go with it and say, hey girl, and when she left on debates, Jackie O'Neill picked it up. And so it's, you know, nothing quite fulfilling and rewarding. I have to say, it's one of the things that just makes my heart leap for joy, for commencement morning, for the university marshal to come up to you and give you a hug and say, hey girl. <laughs> and I say, hey girl, how you doing? And so it's so great to have them in worship with us on this morning. We heard the lesson read, my soul doth magnify in the Lord. With your prayers and the Holy Spirit's power, I wanna speak this morning from the topic and attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. Let us pray. Lord, we need your help as we prepare our hearts, our minds, and our spirits for your coming. Amen. An attitude of gratitude. 
Reverend Buchanan, last week we discussed miracles. How the impossible becomes possible. Some of you will recall that in the first chapter of Luke, God dispatches an angel to visit the Virgin Mary. The angel Gabriel shares some miraculous news. The long-awaited savior is coming. He's not coming through Rome. The Messiah or the anointed one is not coming down the great river Nile in Egypt. Nor is the Messiah coming through the ancient capital city of Jerusalem, the crown of all Judea. But rather God is sending the Messiah through the least likely of vessels. God is revealing God's self to humanity through the least likely of places. The Messiah will come through the womb of a one unwed mother from the wrong sides of the track, a place called Nazareth. Nazareth was known for its poverty and its presumed pathology in the ancient world. Nazareth was a city frowned upon in the region. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked Philip in the Gospel of John. Nazareth was a city that its own residents even disparaged. Isn't that Jesus, the carpenter's son? That's the question that neighbors ask condescendingly in the Gospel of Matthew. And such condescension helps to explain why Mary was afraid. She was unwed. She had never, quote unquote, been with a man. She could be stoned according to ancient law and custom for this indiscretion. And many would just presume that she was nothing but another teenage girl from Nazareth, knocked up by somebody passing through Galilee, or even more nefariously taken advantage of by one of the Roman soldiers that occupied the region. So Mary had reason to be scared. That's why the angel Gabriel says, do not be afraid for you, Mary, have found favor with God. And it's God's favor it's God's favor that allows Mary to reach beyond her fear. It's God's love and care for someone as minuscule as Mary. God's love and care for someone that everyone else overlooks. This seems to encourage Mary to lift up 
her voice in praise. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now all generations are going to call me blessed. For God, can you believe it? has done great things with little old me. Mary's situation was not ideal, no. She will face ridicule, she will confront bigotry and discrimination. Mary will even deliver her son Jesus in an animal stable. Why? Because there was no room for these Galilean refugees in the end. Yet Mary, Oh, this woman from Nazareth has something to teach us this morning about gratitude. For rather than dwell on what might go wrong, Mary opted to emphasize the positive. While Mary could have fed her soul's anxiety, she opted to water the seeds of appreciation. Rather than focus on what others viewed as the impossible, on what others seemed as uh, incomprehensible, Mary focused on one indisputable fact. She was now pregnant with heavenly possibilities. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for God has done great things in me. God has done great things in each and every one of you. Mary, she understood that it was impossible for her to carry an attitude of negativity in her heart yet expect joy to grow in her womb. Just as light and darkness cannot occupy the same space at the same time, similar can be said of negativity and gratitude. For whenever you and I turn our attention toward all that we have and all that we have to thank God for in our lives, we are lighting a candle in the dark corridors of our souls. This is why fear, anger, and all other markers of emotional darkness must then dissipate. I think the writer Anne Lamont is correct. Gratitude, it begins in our hearts and then it dovetails into our actions. For no matter the situation or the circumstance, when we begin to count up our blessings, both big and small, one can't help but smile and then want to be of service to somebody else. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why? Because God has done great things for me. Mary, she embraced this attitude of gratitude. Mary, she took her mind off of her problems and she put her mind on her problem solver. Mary, 
She stopped fretting over the baby that she was going to deliver. And she started thinking about the baby that was going to deliver her. Sometimes, my friends, it's just about shifting our perspective. Sometimes it's just about turning away from the negative and beginning to think about all that we do have and beginning to thank God for things being as well as they are in our lives. Oh, this reminds me of a story I once read. It was told that a local girt herder, a local girt herder went to a rabbi with a complaint. The man said, I am in despair. My life is unbearable. We can't stand it any longer. We're too poor. Our conditions are too small. There's nine of us, my wife, myself, her parents, and five of our children, and we all live in one room. I don't know what I can do about this. I don't think I can take it any longer. Then the rabbi tells the man, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go get a goat and I want you to bring the goat in the house. In the room? Yes, in the room. Bring the goat in the house and then come back and visit me in a week. The man comes back in a week exasperated. Rabbi, we can't stand it. We going crazy. What kind of advice is that? The goat is filthy. It's loud. It's dirty. It stinks. What do you expect me to do? And the rabbi said, go home and let the goat out. And come back in a week's time. A week later, The radiantly happy man returns to visit the rabbi and the man says, life is beautiful. We all enjoy every minute of life. No goat, only the nine of us. We are so blessed. You get my point. We have a choice. We can focus on our burdens or we can focus on our blessings. We can harp on what we do not have, or we can appreciate what we do have. Don't get me wrong, I understand, friends. I understand both the joy and the sorrow of the holiday season. Some of us are grieving this year. Some of us grieve every year around this time. This may be the first Christmas without a particular loved one. Others of us suspect that it might be our last Christmas with that special someone. Grief is understandable. Mourning is appropriate. But I also want to encourage each and every single one of us here today to dedicate time for positive memories. Let's be grateful for the years of love and life that we shared. Let's thank God for all of the beauty and joy that remains. Let's thank our Lord for the indelible impressions that those beautiful people made upon each and every one of our lives. Change expert and author MJ Ryan describes it this way. 
memories of gratitude. They're like flashlights in our yard at night. When we turn them on, we suddenly see what's there. We suddenly see what's always been there. And my friends, as I take my seat, this is what I want us to remember this holiday season. Cut on the flashlights of gratitude and light up all the positive memories and all of the many blessings that you have stacked up in your life. And when we cut on this light, and as we wait on the light and the love of the Son of God this Advent season, then you and I can lift up our voices and we can too declare, hark the herald angels sing, Jesus, the light of the world. Glory to the newborn King, Jesus, the light of the world. We'll walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy are bright, shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say thank you.